Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode... Oh, man. Here we go. I think it's 217. 217. Yeah, 217. You can wonder what happened. I was looking at my phone. Yeah, he's trying to find the episode over there. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was bound to happen, but at least he didn't say the wrong one. True. Uh, but, it's been uh, a while. Yeah. Except so, no, two, two episodes ago, I did. Yeah, like I said, we need to have one of those things up that's like, how many episodes since uh last mistake, like an OSHA violation thing <laughs> or or workplace uh, workplace injuries. But anyways, uh, we are having another level up review and this is going to be a really good level up review. It's actually going to be really short and sweet uh, because the book is really short and sweet and it's one that I'd recommend everybody read because it's so short. You can literally read this in an hour. It does not take long. Uh, which is kind of nice because our podcasts are that long and we're going to give some depth uh, and, and some discussion that I think is going to connect to reselling. Uh, but if you've just been Himmin and Han, this might be the book for you because <laughs> we're reading Who Moved My Cheese. Yeah. And so you might have looked at this and, and somebody actually hit me up in the DMs go, yeah, this book is like there's no profit in this book on FBA, but there's a lot of value to it. Mm. And I thought, yeah, it's very true. And, you know, I was thinking about this today because... You know, we, we don't get into the details of what's going on in the real world. We're kind of in our in our own, you know, bunker reselling bubble here on Pierce Podcast. But, you know, the other day I was I was thinking about how life was before COVID. Right. I mean, things reselling wise were just, you know, steady. It wasn't like what it was or has been or continues to be. But I, I'm really, really missing those times. Right. Just just the normal things of like, hey, let's go to the movies. Let's go eat dinner. And now, granted, not everybody's in California like we are, right? But in California, we've been in the same place, I think, since March. Mm. I don't think much has changed. Actually, things have gotten worse as far as lockdowns go and as far as, you know, there's been all this tension in our state. And, uh, you know, I was just, man, I, I really, I, I really miss those times. And I, I don't think those times will, will be back at least anytime soon. Or, or in the same way. And I think that's why a book like this is so beneficial um, because whether it's your business or personal life, Who Moved My Cheese is kind of a parable about uh, dealing with change in your life. And so uh, what I, I kind of want to start by just doing like a quick, like one minute summary of it, and then we'll break down into the individual parts of like what it's about. But essentially, Who Moved My Cheese is a parable about uh, four different individuals inside of a maze. And they every day get up and go and they find after finding a spot that had cheese, they go and they eat their cheese. And over time, uh, the cheese ends up disappearing and it is no longer where they're used to finding it. And the characters all respond a little differently. And so two of the characters, which are uh, mice, um, actually, as soon as they notice the cheese is gone, they actually kind of noticed it was starting to diminish over time. They leave, they go and they quickly find more cheese and the other two characters which are him and ha are they're like, like little humans yeah they're like little people like fisher price little people with with more complex brains um and i think it it tends to show uh the people who overanalyze uh, but a lot of time or so those two characters end up staying for a long time in the same spot hoping and wishing that the cheese will just come back kind of feeling sorry for themselves and uh him remains there and Ha eventually learns that he can overcome. And I think he's kind of the, the protagonist in the story. We kind of follow Ha as he learns to overcome and, and uh, deal with obstacles that come in life. And the cheese is in a lot of ways, a metaphor for 
whatever it is that's important for you. So maybe it's your career, maybe it's uh, relationships, maybe it's uh, goals that you have financially or or fitness or whatever it is. Uh, the cheese is the thing you're after. And sometimes obstacles come in the way. And I think 2020 and even the start of 2021 are great right examples. Away. It's yeah. like 2020 2.0. That's right. Uh, or 1.0 or whatever you want to call it. But are, are great examples of you can easily get comfortable and then that comfort can be totally taken away from you. You can get locked in a rut and think life will always be this way. My cheese will always be in the same place and it's going to be the same kind of cheese and not realize that life can change quickly around you. And this book is a book about... Um, different ways people react to change and how to overcome obstacles in your life. So I feel the audience and you and I are basically the first part of the book, right? Before, because before you get to the story, uh, the author has this section called the gathering. And in this section, there's a, there's a high school reunion happening, right? And they're all talking and, and, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, where they've been, what they're doing, you know, typical high school reunion stuff. Did you ever go to your high school reunion? I never did. And I actually was on the ASB, so I might have been one of the ones that was supposed to organize that. Yeah, but I never went to mine. Yeah, I, I left. Oh, I don't think there was one. I don't know what's going on. I left my hometown uh, and I never looked back because that place was terrible. So. <laughs> I left my hometown, but I go back. But there's a lot of places I don't go back to, yeah. you know. So it was interesting because I there's a section here as they're all talking to each other. So there's the captain of the football team and he's kind of talking about how he's scared of certain changes and people are telling the captain of the football team, wait, you were the captain of the football team. How are you scared of change? And so they try to sum up everything that's happening amongst everyone. And they say, and the author says, everyone was trying to cope with the unexpected changes that were happening to them in recent years. And most admitted that they did not know a good way to handle them. Right. So I see the purpose of our podcast here is to share this level up review of this story to help not only all of you, but help us ourselves. I mean, I had to actually, you know, be retrospective about my life and what I've been doing. And and, and I read this book, I want to say four years ago, it was given to me by one of my uh, administrators that was above me. And he was a business guy. He came over from the business world and he kept giving me business books. And this was, I think, the first book he gave me. Uh, just because we were trying to make moves <laughs> where we were. And there were a lot of people that were resistant to those moves. And I was kind of resistant. He said, just read this story. And it completely changed my life. And now I'm reading it again. And this is completely applicable to me as a full-time reseller. It'll be applicable to you as a part-time reseller. And as Mike said, this can be anything. This could be a marriage thing. This could be, uh, you know, whatever, sports thing, wh whatever you are trying to move forward and be successful in. And so... I found the very the very definition of each of the characters. It's like you see yourself in each of these. At least I did. Mm. Right. At different points in my life or even now. Or even different types of cheese. Like some cheese you might be sniff and others you might be haw. Right. Like yeah, whether yeah, or not you're willing to move or, or stay. Um, and, and yeah, so just a quick breakdown on the character. So Sniff and Scurry are the two mice. And in a lot of ways, I almost felt like they were the same. The, the, the minor difference in them was Sniff was very proactive in uh, always checking what was going on and seeing and noticing the changes in the environment. Uh, sniffing it out. Yeah, sniffing it out. Scurry was the one that was willing to take action, was ready to go right away. Um, and then uh, him was the one that's very uh, obstinate, not willing to change. Hall was the one that was obstinate to start with, but eventually decided that, um, you know, he had to kind of branch out and learn uh, to overcome. 
So the story begins with all of them knew about this cheese at Station C. So they go to Station C, the cheese is there, and the cheese is consistently there. And there's a maze, but they no longer need to go into the maze because they know where the cheese is. So they actually now move where they're living next to the cheese station. Uh, the two mice, Scurry and Sniff, or is, yeah, is mm-hmm. Sniff and Scurry, okay, I keep messing them up. They used to wear jogging shoes to go, right? And they used to actually have them over their neck in case they needed to take off and run through the maze. And now they don't carry them around their neck anymore laced up because they don't feel the need to wear them. Because him and ev- Ha don't. Is it him and Ha? Him and Ha don't, but the, the, the mice keep the, 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 what are the, the shoes always. They always have them ready to go. Okay, sorry. Yep. My bad. See? Ah, okay. So anyways, everybody is stationed in one place. Right. Right, they're not moving. They're getting this cheese, and and it's interesting. I, I like one of the quotes here that Hem says. Hem says, "We deserve this cheese. We certainly had to work long and hard enough to find it." And then the author later on says, "After a while, Hem's and Haw's confidence grew into the arrogance of success. Soon they became so comfortable they didn't even notice what was happening." Mm. And I started thinking about this, whether you know, specifically to to reselling. Right, there was a time. When things were so easy for me where I live, there was a store literally half a mile down and I could just go to that store every single day. I didn't need a source anywhere. I didn't need to do local deals. I didn't need to do retail arbitrage. If I just sourced that store every day, I could probably go to that store two to three times a day and I would have been fine. Now, I wasn't doing that, but there was a time I went to that store seven days a week and I was good with it. I, I didn't I didn't see the need to go to other stores. Now I went to other stores just here and there just to say, hey, maybe there's something else. But I didn't notice that over time it kept getting worse and it kept getting worse. Management changed, prices started going up, there was less good inventory to pick up. And then over time, you know, luckily I was like sniff and I saw it coming because I'm like, hey, certain management has left, certain prices have gone up. It's it's just different stuff that's coming in. I think it's time for me to branch out. And then I started doing local deals and I started going into bulk buys and I started switching up what I was doing as far as eBay goes. Right. But I could have very easily just been, this is all I need. I could be successful here. I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. And the arrogance could have set in. Yeah, And I even like that part of almost like the entitlement. Right. And I do think that people who are successful, real successful people, 99% of the time, had to work extremely hard to get there. It wasn't given to them. And I, and so um, it is true that, that you've had to work for the success that you have. However, you can easily get this entitlement of, I deserve this. And that almost leads to a feeling of, so it, it's impossible for it to be taken away from me. But the reality is life can happen in so many different ways. Nobody expected COVID the way it came. Um, and like you said, management can change at a business and anything can happen. You can have a health issue come up and all of a sudden the things you used to do, you can't do anymore. And so the entitlement and the problem is that that leads to a feeling of sometimes like a victimhood of, you know, woe is me. Life has happened. I've been dealt a, a bad hand. I've worked so hard and the things that I worked for were taken away from me. And then you can get stuck in that spot where you're not willing to move on. Um, in fact, at one point, um, him when he's there, um, once the cheese, um, 
once the cheese is taken away, they go one morning, there's no cheese there. And in fact, him and Haas stop going as early. They start going later and later in the day because it's like, eh, I know the cheese is going to be there. They stop working as hard for it because they get that entitlement feeling. Whereas Sniff and Scurry always get there early in the morning. They never change that routine. And the morning they get there and it's gone, they instantly lace their shoes back up and take off into the maze looking for more cheese. Uh, when him and Hog get there, they're confused. They're looking around. And at one point, uh, him actually writes on the wall, the more important your cheese is to you, the more you want to hold on to it. Right. Of, of like, you're not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not leaving this. Like, this is my cheese. I'm not going anywhere else. And that was his mentality. This cheese was so important to him that he was unwilling to even consider the possibility even after it's taken away. And, and, and I'm sure you've in your own life, I've experienced this where, you know, people in your life where um, something tragic happens to them. Maybe they lose a job, maybe they a, a terrible relationship or something like that, but they almost refuse to face the reality. They almost refuse to say this has happened. Now what? Instead, they kind of stay in that for a long period of time of like, no, I need this back. I need I need this back. So this was it's kind of interesting how the story hits hard right away. Right. Because this this is unsettling if you are him and ha. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's very here's what I'll say. It's very easy to fall into that pattern. And it's very hard to see that you need to get out of that pattern. Right. And so at the end of it's not the end of the chapter, but halfway through that story, uh, you know, it says, finally, he put his hands. So he's talking here about him. Finally, he put his hands on his hips. His face turned red and he screamed at the top of his voice. It's not fair. And you see this in every every avenue. I mean, I, I can't tell you when I was an administrator and even as a teacher, there were teachers that just wanted to do the same thing that they were doing when they got out of college. And when new, you know, requirements were put in place, when there were new learning methods that were being taught, you know, when administrators say, hey, we want you to diversify the way you're teaching. We want you to do this, blah, blah, man, those people to the end, it is not fair, right? I, I went to college. I have my degrees. Who are you to tell me what to do? It's same thing reselling. All you have to do in reselling is go to YouTube video comments. Or you can go to certain, you know, digital publications and you go to the comments of resellers on there and you will find that it's not fair mentality. You can go down that rabbit hole. It does not take much. You can go on Reddit and you can find it. I mean, there's so many places and it's very easy to get into. It's not fair. But as we learned in the story, him and Ha end up just they just end up in this state of it's not fair. And eventually they become emaciated. There's no cheese. They keep hoping for the cheese to show up and they just keep saying it's due to us. It's due to us. And it never shows up. And so they began and the book says they, they ranted and raved at the injustice of it all. Ha started to get depressed. What would happen if the cheese wasn't there tomorrow? He had made future plans based on this cheese. The little people couldn't believe it. How could this happen? No one had warned them. It wasn't right. It's not the way things were supposed to be. Him and Ha went home that night hungry and discouraged. But before I left, Ha wrote on the wall, and this is what Mike had referred to either uh, before, the more important your cheese is to you, the more you want to hold on to it. And, and I understand that. Like, who doesn't get nostalgic? Who doesn't say, I remember the good old days when I used to be able to blah, 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 blah. And it was... It was so easy. I did A and C and I always got, well, is it a, C? Is that what A, B, and I got C. <laughs> right? Or two plus two is four, right? And so Hem goes, 
why should we change? We're little people. We're special. This sort of thing should not happen to us. Or if it does, we should at least get some benefits. And then Hog goes, why should we get benefits? And then him goes, because we're entitled. And I, I really believe, and again, I am not out there saying, hey, everyone outside of me needs to listen to this. This is, I've been in this place where I'm like, no, things need to be this way. I work too hard. I don't need to change. And I really, the older I get, the more I see whether it's, it's you know, in a marriage, whether it's in a parent-child relationship, whether it's in your career, in your business, like that mentality, it, it just, it doesn't benefit anybody, right? And it didn't benefit them, right? So they just hung out. But eventually, right, they began to kind of discuss amongst themselves, right? Yeah. So him, him is, is like I said earlier, the, the obstinate one, he's, He's not going to move. He doesn't want to leave. Uh, but Ha starts to go through this, this crisis, this internal kind of crisis where he's like, I, 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 I get it. I'm frustrated. I'm angry too. But then he starts to think, you know, Sniff and Scurry, they haven't come back. And, and they have these dialogues back and forth. Like maybe we should go out there. And, and him is very adamant. No, we, we don't want to remember how hard it was in the maze. Sometimes you'd find some cheese around a corner. Sometimes you'd get lost in a in a, in a back alley somewhere. And this is kind of that, that part where it connects to life that the unknown is scary. Um, that there's order and chaos in the life and we want to have order as much as we can, but the, the world outside of our bubble of the little part that we have ordered is chaos. It's chaotic. And when you start to venture out there, there's, there's dangerous things out there. There's things that, that can, can hurt you emotionally, financially, physically, and they don't want to go out do that again but but ha recognizes yeah it was it was dangerous and it was hard but but at least sometimes we found some cheese and um, maybe there's another station maybe we'll find more and it takes a while but but hey let me interrupt you for a moment you know what i thought was interesting was the delusion that sets in with him because what ends up happening him actually says you know if we just work harder we'll find that nothing has really changed that much the cheese is probably nearby maybe they just hit it behind the wall yeah I mean, that is delusion. Yeah, right they there. even yeah, they even try breaking down the wall. And here's the thing. So that it, it seems so silly. When you when you're reading a a a story like this, an allegory, sometimes it's they it's purposely over the top. It's like, well, that's obnoxious. Nobody talks like that. Nobody acts like that. But when you really think about it, in so many areas we do. I've done that in areas of my life. Uh, like you mentioned, even with schooling, right? Or business. Somebody says, hey, we need to try this new technology. We need to try this new website. We should try, instead of selling our product here, we should try. And you're going to have people on your team, or maybe you are that person on the team that's like, no, there's not, like, we're making money. Things are fine the way they are now. Why should we have to change? Well, yeah, we're making money now, but but the industry is changing. And if we don't start changing with it in the next 10 years, we're going to be out of date or maybe even five years. No, no, we're doing fine the way we are. And they don't want to change. And when you think about it, that is that mentality of, it's working. Everything is fine. Maybe if we just keep working harder, even though the world's changing around us, we'll be fine on our own. And they'll not- come around. Things will things yeah. will come back to how they were. Yeah. Right. And that's what I was gonna. It, delusion hits. Right. You fight so hard that you're like, if I just keep doing this, you know what? No, there, something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen, and it's not gonna happen. Right. And I, I remember reading that, going, "Wow." And I see that a lot, even in this last time. You know, uh, of COVID, I mean, we thought about, you know, there are certain businesses that adapted, right? Certain businesses decided, hey, we're going to do something different. And then others were like, no, things are going to be back. We're just going to keep doing what we're going to keep doing. I, I was I was listening to the radio the other day and uh, they were talking about they, they went on. They were trying to get, I, I think, some Chinese food and they were looking at restaurants. And one restaurant, 
they went on there and they found that they had DoorDash and, and Uber Eats and whatever, Postmates and all those set up. And this other restaurant didn't have any of those delivery services. They didn't even have a website. They had nothing. Mm. And they said that they parked somewhere and they noticed these two stores. And for every one person that went into the store that had no website, had nothing. There was eight to 10 people going to the other store within that same amount of time. Right. And so that's what separated those businesses. Right. They, they decided, hey, we're going to make this change. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds weird, but, you know, having people deliver your food, you're actually trusting that, you know, your product is kind of like us with the post office right now. We're still in this like mm -hmm. we trust that the post office, by the way, packages still aren't making it. Uh, we're going to trust that the post office is going to deliver our items to us. But you you got to adapt, right? You got, you got to make changes. So I thought it was that story. I thought was really interesting because it's very easy. And, and I know, you know, we're reselling podcasts, but I think it's very easy in reselling to go like, you know, I just, I just need to keep sourcing the same stuff. My problem is I'm just not listening enough. And you know what? The problem might be that, or it could be that you're just still trying to sell the same things you were selling five years ago. And you can list all day and you're not going to sell it. Right. And I've had to come to that realization with some items in this past year, too. So just something to think about. Yeah, And from for those of you who sell on Amazon, um, I mean, Amazon is one of those big, crazy mazes, I feel like, where your cheese can get moved at any time. And so <laughs> you, the book like this is going to help you realize that when they gate something or when your account gets changed or they change their policies, um, you can quickly get to a place where you are frustrated, you're upset and you're not willing to adapt and you lose that as a source of revenue. Or you can say, well, they've changed the API score I have to have, or they changed this. And so I need to adapt with it. And sometimes going out into that maze is scary. And it's not a guarantee. One thing that uh, one of the little pushbacks I have about this book, and we haven't quite got to that point yet, but there's almost an idea of, of no matter what, if you accept change and you believe in it hard enough, like things will work out better. And I don't think that's always the case. And I think the the point of the maze, which I didn't think was harped on enough, was there's actually a lot of danger out there that when something bad happens, you lose your job, you, you have a health crisis, you lose a marriage, you lose something really bad happens. There's not guarantee that it's going to get better. But one of the things that Ha says that I thought was really um, important, he ends up writing a lot of things on the wall as he kind of has these revelations. Uh, one of the things he says is if you do not change you can you can become extinct. Mm -hmm. And what I think was great about that is he realizes I might I might not find cheese out there. I might get lost in the maze. Things might not work out well for me. But if I stay where I'm at right now, it's for sure not going to work out for me because there's no cheese here. And so it's sometimes you have to be willing to take risks. You have to be willing to do things that are a little bit more dangerous going and looking for a new job, trying a new path in life, trying to change how you're sourcing, using a new program, uh, whatever it ends up being, changing the way you deal with relationships in your life. Because if you don't, you are going to lose, right? You, you're already lost. And I think it's easier when you're already at that place. But the idea, the benefit of being a sniff is you can sniff out when it's happening and, and, and adapt before you've already lost. A uh, person like Kim and Ha have kind of already lost. They're at a place where their business has pretty much already failed. And now they're almost starting over and having to figure life out again. Uh, so, um, but as he realizes that if you don't change, you can become extinct. He also realizes um, that he asked this question, what would you do if you're not afraid? Yeah, And what, what I like here is that, 
you know, Ha eventually comes to this realization. He says he decided that if he ever got the chance again, he would get out of his comfort zone and adapt to change sooner. Right. So finally, he's seen the light. Things are changing. He says. It says that he had a weak smile and he thought better late than never. And I think better late than never is better than never. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I got to tell you, in my own life, there's been so many times where I, I'm like, I wish I learned this in my 20s. I wish I learned this in my 30s. I, I say it all the time right now. I'm 41. I wish I bought Bitcoin a few oh, yeah, months well, ago. Don't even go. I actually, I was thinking of that directly because in March, Bitcoin was at 5,000, right? And uh, I'm still not there. I mean, but I mean, is it better late than never? I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to drop 41K right now, but you can buy partial Bitcoin. I know you could. I know. But. And whatever things, right? And that's, to me, that's scary to me. Bitcoin is still scary to it's me. It's a maze, right? That's part of the maze, right? Like I know, maybe, I know. and that's a big thing too with like currency. Like it's a different form. People aren't used to the idea of cryptocurrency and not saying that that is the right thing, but it's easy to get to a place where you say, reject, reject, reject. And you could be right. It could fail. And you could be, you could say, I'm glad I didn't waste my time and energy on it. Um, but one of the things like with the beginning, when we started this podcast, we used to quote Gary Vee a lot. And, you know, one of the things that that he would talk about is, you know, being an earlier ad adapter on things, being willing to try new things because, yeah, maybe that platform that you spend some time learning and trying flops, but if it doesn't and it takes off, you're there, you're ready to go. And so kind of being willing to, to, to try and adapt, and that doesn't mean you have to adapt with everything. You can't be the, the master of everything, but you can be a jack of all trades and a master of one or two, right? That is actually something you can do. And so you can know a little bit and try things. And in, when Ha gets to the place where he says, he, he actually ends up laughing kind of to himself at, at how foolish and silly it was to stay in section C for so long of the maze was, you know, I, I might as well go out there. I kind of, this has been crazy. And even as he starts to, to make his way into the maze, he has tons of fears and lots of times he thinks, am I making the right choice? Should I have stayed? And those are the types of things that you're going to feel when you try something new. When you And trying something new sometimes is preemptive. It's a preemptive strike of saying, well, things are going okay now, but I want to maybe try some other stuff also. But maybe it's it's a necessity and it's you're reacting and you're reacting to a failed relationship. You're reacting to a loss of a job. You're reacting to the... COVID craziness. You're reacting to the way you used to source is no longer possible and you have to react. And sometimes you almost have to laugh and say, well, here we go. I'm going into the unknown and I'm going to do the best I can. And I love that idea of what would you do if you're not afraid? And it kind of reminds me of maybe it was four hour work week. Maybe it was another one that we did, but he talked about kind of actually writing out what's the worst case scenario that oh, no, can it happen. Is work is it work? Yeah. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, in a little bit. Let's do it. Stay tuned. But before we do that, I think it's time for us to talk about our sponsors real quick. Yeah. So, hey, real quick. I, and, you know, I, some, it's funny because half the audience or maybe half is like, oh, it's awesome. Keep doing it. There's some guys that have actually taken skull shaving and shaving their head. And there's others like, man, why do we have to listen to this? But, hey, we're here to help you guys out. We're never going to, you know, talk about an, a product that we do not think is 100% effective and great. So, Skullshaver.com. We use it on a daily basis. Just use it half hour. No, like 40 minutes before I jumped into the studio. Uh, good to go. And that's how Mike and I have our nice dome. So if you're interested in shaving your head, just go to Skullshaver.com. Use our promo code PURE. P-U-R-E. Pure. 
you will get a great discount and help us out also. There you go. And also, if you want to help us out in a monetary way, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. Again, our podcast is always free. There is no paywall to listen to the rest of our podcast or any of our podcasts at any time. But we also want to be able to do more than our podcast. And a lot of you have helped us out so far, especially when we've been in between sponsors, which we've been in kind of in between sponsors for a little bit now. And so every time one of you signs up for a membership on buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle, it helps us out a lot. So less than the cost of coffee for eight episodes is great, right? So we're talking about five bucks a month. So we would love it if you would sign up, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle and sign up for that yearly membership. All right. Also on social media, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and why, why am I blanking here? Twitter. Twitter, we are Pure Hustle Cast, right? Oh, TikTok. How did I forget about TikTok? How did I forget? You can't forget about TikTok. So, and we're still on the social media. No one has banned us yet <laughs> or anybody, but uh, we're going to keep talking about reselling. No, I'm just joking. Uh, it's an interesting time right now, I got to tell you. Um, hey, also, you can reach out to us and give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. You can also shoot us an email, podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can leave us reviews. People have actually been leaving us reviews. And you know what's awesome is when people DM us and they're like, hey, we heard you talking about the reviews. We want you to get to 400. I made sure that I wrote a review. So I just want to read one of them real quick. Because uh, we are grateful. Our hope is to get to 400 here soon. Uh, we're at 382. Ooh, so there. if just 18 of you right now just went and just hit the five stars, we'd be good. Yep. Right? We always like the written ones, though. I'm not I'm taking away. So last two that, oh, wow, we had a few. Wow. I was going to read like, you know, I thought we only had like two. Uh-huh. Had, okay. So I'm just going to pick two out here. All right. Uh, my apologies. Uh, but want to thank you guys for, you know, just sharing with everyone. Have you pre-read them? Are you going to end up reading one that's like Mike and Orlando are the worst? No, no. no don't listen to them. We don't, we don't, we don't get, I mean, we don't get a lot of hate. So I'm okay with that. So um, I'm going to read this. The first one says addicted five stars from the retail rabbit. That's nice. a legit name. Retail rabbit said hosts are perfect balance of entertaining and informative. They seem like professional on-air personalities as they stay on topic. Keep it timely. Have consent. Have consent. Have cons- I just ruined the whole professional on-air personalities. <laughs> have consistent segmented topics, don't have much dead air time, and actually have professional sounding audio instead of others who sound like they record on their phones while in the bathroom. Great show. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Um, thanks so much, Retail Rapper. All right. This is from D-D-D-E-E-B-B-E-E. That's a good name. All right. Cool, du- cool dudes who know their... And S with an ellipsis after. Stuff? Stuff. That's what I think they're referring to. Okay. Five stars. This is my hands down favorite podcast about reselling. I love that their focus is on eBay, but they also sprinkle in info about other platforms. They are humble and share their mistakes as well as their successes so everyone can learn from them. The Hustle of the Week segment is my favorite because it helps me finding my niche. And their book reviews are amazing. I'm currently reading Rich Dad Poor Dad because of these two cool dudes. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. Oh, man. It's a good feeling. It is. I, I just, I, I just, I'm always grateful for the reviews. And, and again, the level up reviews. Like this book, I thought about this book, right? When I posted on Instagram, I'm like, you know, people are going to look at this and go like, who moved my cheese? The story about two mice and little people, like who's going to care? But if it helps you and impacts you, we're all for it. That's right. 
Right. Remember in the beginning, we, I, I was I was kind of like, I don't know if we should do these. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of glad we've kept them more like business focused because, man, I was ready to say like, man, let's do some literature. Let's review some literature and talk about how, you know, the postmodern worldview has affected reselling. I'm OK with that. But <laughs> but this is more this is more this is more applicable, I think. OK. All right. <laughs> so. That came out of nowhere. Hey, maybe we'll have a literature hour. Maybe that'll be let one of our exclusives. Let us know if, if you're interested. So, hey, I, I got history I could bring into. All right. Anyways, let's get back on topic since that's what, you know, people said in the review. So we're back to Hem and Haw. And Haw is finally getting the courage and saying, hey, it's time for me to venture out. Right. And so one thing that Ha does, though, here, which I appreciate, it says whenever he started to get discouraged, he reminded himself that. What he was doing as uncomfortable as it was at the moment, what was in reality much better than staying in the cheeseless situation, right? Staying in the cheeseless. So he's saying, Hey, it's better for me to be out here than be somewhere where nothing is happening, where I'm not getting any cheese. He was taking control rather than simply letting things happen to him. Then he reminded himself, If Sniff and Scurry could move on, so could he. Mm. Right. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of social media here. If, and I want to talk about this for a moment. So, right, if if Ha had just surrounded himself with him the entire time, he would have been nowhere. Probably would have died. Right? Let's, let's be real. I mean, they, these are mice without cheese. No, no, they're little people. Yeah. Anyways, they need to eat. But technically, the cheese is not food. But, well, but, but yeah. yeah. But, but it was saying that they were getting weaker and emaci- yeah. emaciated. Yeah. Like, it wasn't good. But they had good examples ahead of them with Sniff and Scurry. And it moved him or her. I don't know what, what Scurry is, but <laughs> moved Scurry to go, hey, maybe not. It moved Ha to go, hey, maybe Sniff and Scurry are onto something. Right. And, and it's the same thing with social media. Like, you got to be careful who you follow, who you listen to, the YouTube you watch, the podcast you listen to, the books you read. I mean, in every avenue of love, not only in reselling, but just in everything you do. Right. Because it's very easy to be among people that think the same way you do. And especially if you're negative, you can always find negative people, always find negative people. Right. But if you surround yourself with individuals that have been able to branch out, to make changes, to adapt, to say, you know what, I'm not going to stay here. It's going to end up encouraging you to do more. And so I strongly encourage you. You know, I'm not saying follow Pure Earth Podcast. I mean, hopefully we never become those negative people. So yeah. I just, I don't know. Negativity is just a bad place to be. But find those individuals that encourage you to do more. Okay, that's my diatribe. Sorry. All right, moving on. What do you, you think about this comment? I put a question mark because I wanted your thoughts on this. So we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey, everyone. Ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code, all in caps, PureHustle25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code PureHustle25. One of the thing is, one of the things that Ha had noticed as he finally was leaving 
he noticed that the cheese that they were eating was actually like moldy. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was smelling bad. And then he wrote this on the wall. He said, smell the cheese often so you know when it is getting old. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I one? think that's great. I think I think that's one of the things that Sniff would do. And the idea here, and, and later in the book, and I don't think we're going to go into like 100% detail into the post-conversation. We might talk about a little bit of the things, how it applies to business. But um, one of the things that I think was a great example was one of the ladies re- reflecting on this story uh, talked about a relationship and basically said like a stale like marriage or a relationship she had. And another person jumped to, oh, so maybe maybe you need to find new cheese and you need to like leave that relationship. And the retort was, well, maybe it's been my attitude. Maybe the yeah, cheese, behavior change that yeah. needed to happen. So maybe the change in cheese is is not necessarily that I need to find a new relationship, but I need to change the way I'm thinking about my relationship. I need to change the way I'm interacting. Because sometimes you can get, and I think people do this, and I think relationships and jobs are very similar in the sense that you get very complacent. You can start to feel like, you know, you can take things for granted. Oh, it's this way. I can kind of take it a little easy. Things are good. And it before you know it, something can go really wrong. And it's like, wait a minute, how did it all fall apart? And then when you start to reflect and think back, it's like, oh, the warning signs were there. Like I wasn't giving as much attention. We didn't talk as much as we used to. I wasn't putting as much hours into work. I wasn't, you know, doing these things. I wasn't following up on emails like I used to because I got complacent where I was at. And then it all falls apart. So sometimes you need to take a, uh, I think that smelling the cheese is that self-reflection of mm-hmm. how are things really going? And, and the cheese doesn't always have to change in the sense of, do I need a new relationship? Do I need a new job? Which it might be, but it might be, do I need to change my attitude here? Am I am I putting in my best? When I first got this job, I mean, think about the first time, if you work a nine to five and you've been out of work for a while and you finally get a pretty good job and it's day one, you're smiling, you're happy, you're there early, you lay your clothes out before night before to make sure you've got the right outfit, you're in there, you're, you're, you're double checking your emails before you send them. And after you've been there a few years, you're gossiping in the break room, you're complaining about how terrible the job is and the management the, did yeah, this. Yeah, the honeymoon is over, right? Right, and, and, this, and it happens in relationships, it happens with reselling, and you can get to a place where your attitude has changed and you can say, wait a minute, where did the gratitude go? Where did... And so sometimes it might be that you need a new job or the relationship is has is un you know fixable or whatever the the scenario is but a lot of times it's because your behavior you've got that entitlement and you haven't really been smelling the cheese is this really what it used to be or have I changed and you know it it, it runs a little bit contrary to like hustle culture mm-hmm. I mean we are pure hustle podcast okay yeah. and I'm all about that hustle like hustle 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 now if things are going well Keep hustling. But the hustle is not going to get you the success, right? The, the hustle can quickly get you somewhere as long as you're hustling right. But just hustle isn't enough. Mm. And I, I think we, we got to be really careful about that because I'll admit myself. I mean, I, I think the first year of being full-time, of being a full-time reseller, I hustled like crazy. But I, lo- I remember looking back on that year and I lost so much opportunity for more money because instead of slowing down and going, Hmm, maybe I shouldn't source this, or maybe I need to do this, or maybe I need to hire somebody out. Maybe I need to, you know, spend less time here and spend more time here. I just kept hustling thinking that, Hey, it's all going to be good. As long as I keep hustling, what would have been better is for me to slow down, self-reflect, take a look at, you know, my inventory, my methods, what I was doing. I probably would have been in a better place by now. And so, you got to be careful because it's very easy to go. I'm just going to 
outwork everybody. And as long as I outwork everybody, I'm going to be fine. But if you're outworking and you're doing the wrong stuff, it's not going to help you. It's kind of like, I remember when I was teaching, I'd have students all the time. I would say, I studied for that test for eight hours and I, I still didn't get an A. And I would always tell them, I'm like, all right, let me see your study guide. Okay. You studied the wrong stuff. So you might've spent eight hours, but the test that you took is not what you should have, is not the same thing as what you studied. So no matter, you could have studied and memorized everything word for word, you still would have failed. Right. So the key thing is it's all good to hustle, but you got to make sure you're doing it right. So now this is the part here that where you're, you know, I, I I'm in the same boat with you. So there's, you know, and again, I'm not here to <laughs> stir anything up, but you know, there's discussion about here about, Hey, the more clearly he saw the image of himself enjoying the new cheese, talking about ha, the more real and believable it became. He could sense that he was going to find it. Right. So we can go into two worlds in this one. We can go into the world that it's kind of like this uh, Stephen Covey thing of the you have to have the end in mind. Right. You have to be able to see what you're trying to do. Right. And there's other theories like think and grow rich where like you got to manifest. So Mike and I don't land on the manifest part. Right. But we definitely do believe that you need to be able to see where you're you're aiming at, what you're trying to do. And I could tell you multiple times in my life, uh, especially when I was moving up in my education career, I could see myself, hey, I'm going to be a department chair. It's awesome. I could see what I could be doing. I'm going to be an administrator. I, I remember being able to see not not manifest, but see that. And know what I needed to do to get there. Yeah, because a proper vision helps you understand the steps, right? When you can look at something and say, if I want to become a millionaire, I need to save X, make X amount of money each week. And I need to to reduce the amount of, like, you can have actual steps. If I want to get six-pack abs, I need to do X amount of exercise hours per week. And I need to eat so many calories. Like, you can break down steps. But just visualizing it doesn't make it happen. You can't just say, like, well, I'm seeing it. I'm believing it. It's going to happen. And so, and that might be a straw man in some ways of the manifest thinking, but there are a lot of, you know, thoughts of like, well, if you just think that like you're going to be successful, it's, it, it eventually the, the world will, will bring it to you. But, but I definitely think you need to have an idea of where you're going and how to get there because otherwise you're going to wander aimlessly. So I do think visualizing in, in one sense is very helpful. I mean, people talk about it in sports all the time, you know, if, when it comes to shooting a free throw, like I've seen myself shooting this free throw thousands of times, thousands of times under pressure, people are there. It's, you know, the mm -hmm. clock is, is ticking down and, and it's, this point makes all the difference. And I've already felt that pressure. And I think that's good because successful people, a lot of times have already, I think I heard David Goggins talking about this, that you've already lived in the, the anguish in your mind over and over, not just the success of like, I've got the the trophy and everybody loves me, but like the hours of practice it's going to take. You've already lived that in your mind even before you get to like if you're running a, a marathon, you've already thought about mile 20. It's going to hurt and I'm going to want to quit and I'm going to but I've, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it through and it's going to hurt. So it's not just visualizing the end, but it's visualizing the steps that it's going to take to get there. Yeah, I think I think it's great. I mean. I can't I, I can't tell you how many times I had in my mind thought about, OK, this is what it's going to look like when I do this. But I that wasn't enough. Right. I mean, I could we could daydream all day. I mean, there's plenty of people that daydream their lives away. Right. But you got to take the actionable steps to get there. All right. Now. I thought it was interesting here. 
and you know, you had talked about this with uh, Tim Ferriss and for our work week and actually Grant Cardone talks about that in his 10 X book. And I think a lot of our books refer to this, the idea that, you know, it's never as bad as you imagine it. Mm-hmm. Right. And ha ha starts realizing this, right. As he's going into the maze, right. He was scared. He was timid. And he says, and it says, Ha realized again, as he had once before, that what you're afraid of is never as bad as what you imagine. The fear you let build up in your mind is worse than the situation that actually exists. And it is so, so true. Most of the time. Mo- mo- <laughs> 99% of the yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and I think you have to be aware of that. I'm a, I'm a realist, so I, I, I think that you can think things like worst case scenario is this, and worst case scenario can be much worse than you ever imagined. And, and that's part of life. And I think you can get through that and, and you can even through that find new cheese and make your, your life meaningful and, and, and important and happy. But most of the time we're wrong, right? Like every time you, you do an argument with somebody you ever like are frustrated with somebody or something happens and you argue with them in your head for hours before you actually mm-hmm. have the confrontation. And then, yeah, most of the time that confrontation is way easier than you thought it'd be. You leave your boss's office and you're like, all right, like it was like, he didn't say all the things that I practice. Like I practice, I'm going to respond like this and he's going to say yeah. this. Then I'm going to, yeah, we, we worst case scenario, everything. Well, and then if I go on this trip, then my house might burn down and then I'll lose my job and then this will happen. And most of the time that stuff never happens. And, and then I love that four hour work week. If it's like, okay, let's say all that stuff happens. Now what? Well, I guess I start over and it's like, all right, well, there you go. You got a plan well, of worst case scenario. So I remember my first year full time uh, doing Q4 and I dropped know, 120K. I don't know. It was some obnoxious number. And I remember it was September and October. So I already had a lot of debt from Toys R Us liquidating. So I bought a ton of stuff at Toys R Us. And then I had all this stuff I was buying. And, you know, it was my first. I had been through Q4, but I never went through a Q4 full time. And there's just a different feel when you go full time. Like it's scarier. Right. Because, you know, when you're part of time, hey, I can always go back to my job. I can bounce back. So I remember dropping obscene uh, to me at that time. It was an obscene amount of money. And I did everything right. I did my research. I checked the ranking. You know, I, I you know, knew scarcity, I did everything. And I remember I remember at one point going, OK, well, I think I'm going to end up homeless. I Honestly, I had these thoughts. I remember. I remember actually, so I was meeting with the therapist at the time, going through a lot of, you know, family stuff. I remember telling my therapist going, yeah, I, I think I'm going to end up home. Like, I think I'm going to have a hundred thousand, twenty thousand dollars debt. I'm not going to recoup that money. It was, I mean, it was a scary time because before that I maybe had dropped 5,000 at some point, 10,000, but 120 K like three rebound from that. It'd be pretty scary. And yeah, I mean, I was, and sure enough, you know, November came around December and it was all paid up. I was in the profit. Things were good. And ever since that Q4, I never looked back. Mm. Like I, I'm, I'm never scared to drop major amounts of money in reselling because as long as I, you know, did everything right for the most part, you'll win. Now I have lost, not going to say that it's always a win, but it is very true because your mind is your worst enemy. Like when it comes to like, I, I can't tell you how many scenarios I ran through my head. Okay. What am I going to do when I'm all in, all in this debt? How am I going to pay this off? Like what's going to happen to Puro's podcast? Like I, this is actually the first time I've talked about this in the sense that, you know, this is the very beginning of Pierce's podcast. And I kept thinking, all right, what if we do a podcast about reselling and six months in, I have to do a podcast and go, 
Sorry, guys, but you know what? There's no point in doing a podcast anymore because the reality is we can't live up to what we're about, right? We're poor with money. We don't know how to make money. Sorry, we're out, right? But that didn't happen. Yeah, that would have been that would have been real, real. <laughs> that would have been the realest ever podcast. But no, instead, it was all in my head. Yeah. It was all in my head. I did everything right and it worked out. And yeah. Did, did I lose a little bit here? Yeah, but I won so much more. So it's like it's like a um, web MDing symptoms you have. Oh my goodness! Don't even go there. Right, like especially I, right now, it's yeah. the worst. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's so easy how like a you know a little itch or a headache can turn into a tumor or you know something like that when when you start web MDing. And it's true, you might have something worse all the time. It happens where people go in and and it was they didn't think they really had anything, and it's it's terminal. But most of the time, people have more worry than is good for them because they worry, 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 and then it leads into nothing. But worrying actually causes all kinds of physiological changes to your body. It stresses your body and it has a negative impact on your health. And we can we can worry about what if this happens? What if this happens with with politics? What if this happens in our country? What if this happens with our jobs? What if, what if jobs don't come back? What if the economy crashes? What if we can, what if everything, but it's not going to change anything. I, I I'm a firm believer of, we need to be cautious. We need to be aware. Don't live with your head in the sand and take the steps that you can take and the things you can control, but, but you can't worry about what you can't worry about. Right. You, you know, tomorrow has enough worries for itself. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And so and I'm not telling people to go out there and spend a hundred grand, but, but what I'm telling is, Hey, yeah, I'm specifically telling people don't do that unless you absolutely know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. 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 But that's entrepreneurship. You know, it, it's taking those risks. It's, it's willing to, cause they mentioned here earlier on that when you stop being afraid, you actually start feeling good because you begin to build confidence and that confidence I think drives you to do more. So now there is a section here, which I thought was kind of interesting. So now Ha, you know, is out there and he's still reflecting and he's noticing that, hey, I wish we saw this coming earlier. Right. We already talked about this earlier, but I got to tell you, you're right about early adapters. Mm. Like I see that in reselling all the time. You'll hear somebody say something like in a social media post on a YouTube and no one's paying attention. Then like a year later, you're like, oh, should have paid attention. Right. Yep. I think about that with like sports cards. Like Gary Vee was talking about sports cards. I don't know, a year and a half ago, like way back. And I didn't take him up on it because I was like, eh, I don't know. So, but, but I was also, I also wasn't that interested either. But, but again, if you're able to catch things early, it's a very good thing. Now, as things changed, right? Ha is eventually he's looking, he's looking, he's looking, and he's find, trying to find a new cheese. And he, eventually he does find it, right? Yeah. So he, it's kind of a long drawn out thing and there's little lessons he learns throughout the way. I think this is his time in the maze. I mean, maybe it's a purposely long in order to show that sometimes success doesn't come right away. It's not like you leave one cheese and automatically find success. The next one, because there's times where he doesn't find anything. There's times where he finds crumbs. There's times where he finds crumbs leading into uh, a big chamber, but the chamber is empty. And each time he's got hope. Um, but again, he's learning little lessons along the way. Like, um, the quicker you let go of your old cheese, the sooner you find new cheese, right? Like he learns that lesson. Uh, he, the one you mentioned, it's safer to search in the maze than remain cheeseless situation, right? So he's mm -hmm. learning these things as he go. He's learning about dealing with fear, uh, not holding on to old cheeses, the old cheese, uh, 
um, and changing what you believe. And yeah, eventually he gets to a place. Are we going to move all the way there where he where he gets to? Uh, uh, spoiler alert. He finds uh, he finds Sniff and Scurry, and there's cheese. There's new. And actually, at one point before we get there, um, now that I've spoiled it, um, he I think he, we spoiled it in the first five yeah. minutes. He finds at at one point he finds um, some crumbs of cheese, and he brings it back to, or he finds like a small little cache of cheese, and he brings some back to him, and he says, "Look, I found some new cheese. It's different." It tastes oh, yeah. different. This is crazy. And him is like, nope, don't want it. I don't even want to try your new cheese. I want my old cheese. I probably wouldn't even like the new cheese. And again, you can hear something like that and go, well, that's obnoxious. Why would anybody do that? But again, think about it. How many times I've seen this happen in businesses, in businesses that I've been a part of, where somebody mentioned something in a staff meeting, somebody mentioned something at, at, at a conference. We should try this new thing. No, that wouldn't work. They go out and they try a little bit. Hey, look, I, I, I tested it. I did this. And there's been a little bit of success and we've already had a little bit of, nope, don't want anything to do with it. And they shut it down because the way we do it works. We don't want to change. We've got our way of doing it. I've seen it time and time again. And there's been times where I've, I've probably been that him where people come and say, hey, um, things are kind of, I know you think things are working, but they're actually worse than you realize. Or maybe you realize they're bad, but I've gotten a solution and I've maybe said, nah, I'm good. Like, I don't want that. I'm, I, I know how to do it. And so him is kind of a lost cause at this point. He's shown he's not willing to move. And yeah, eventually Ha finds the new cheese. And when he finds the new cheese, my favorite part of it is that Sniff and Scurry are there and they're nice and fat. Like <laughs> they've plumped up. They've been there for a they've while. They've been living it up. They've been living it up. So so it's interesting because when he shows up, he, he doesn't settle. That's what I enjoyed. So, you know, he's, he... he at first, it was like, we're entitled. We deserve this cheese, right? And and then eventually, Ha began to see, hmm, maybe there's more out there. Sniff and Scurry are out there. I'm afraid. And then it changed to, I'm not afraid anymore. And then, you know, kind of like Home Alone status. And so, and then moved from there and ended up going out and now self-reflection, right? These are kind of all the steps that apply to anything, especially when, you know, right now when we're talking about change. And then eventually lands and goes to station N and finds all the cheese and finds sniff and scurry. But it's important. What I think what he says here, very important. He says, well, he doesn't say the author says this about him. He says he had to admit that the biggest inhibitor to change lies within yourself and that nothing gets better until you change. Right. So you can ask for all the circumstances to change. You can hope that this will happen or this will happen or this will happen. But in the end, it has to be you that makes that change, that decides that, hey, I'm going to have a different perspective about what I'm doing. And then Ha applies it and takes it to the next level. And Ha, perhaps most importantly, according to the author, realize that there's always new cheese out there, whether you recognize it at the time or not, and that you're rewarded with it when you go past your fear and enjoy the adventure. And I thought that was super important because we've we've talked about that before that I forget which book it was, but whenever you when if you've had a rough life or if you've gone through a lot of transition and a lot of change, right? You recognize that there's always the ability to rebound. Right. There's always there's new cheese out there and in whatever scenario you're in. And this this reminded me in my own life. Like there's there's plenty of of cheese like let you know recently i love recently i'm gonna keep doing recently but i've had to adapt i've had to find new ways to find my cheese right uh you know it, there's just so many ways 
to make things happen. The key thing is, are you willing to let that change within you to be able to adapt? No, that's great. And I, I love, I love that when he shows up, he, when he takes his running sneakers off, he ties them around his neck, just like sniff and scurry. And again, that's kind of symbolic of, you know, I recognize this isn't permanent. I recognize that I might need to adapt. Yeah, he didn't like again. put them away. Yeah. He held on to them. Yeah, so. didn't settle in and he ends up writing. And along the way, as he's learning these lessons, he's writing them on the wall. And I think it's kind of one to remind himself to it's it's a, a feature of so that the author can show us these lessons that we need to be learning. And then also if if ha him ever decides to leave, he's going to find it. And eventually him might make it to station in and it's empty. But all of these rules are there and realize there was once cheese here. And if I would have come... So now I need to get out there and find this new cheese. And one of the things that I thought was most practical at the end of the book, they end up um, talking again. These friends meet all together after reading this story on their own or hearing the story. They end up meeting back together and discussing it. And one of them talks about business. And he, he says, we presented this because in our own business, we were kind of failing. We were flopping and there were issues. And so we quickly learned who the, the sniffs, the scurries, the hymns and the haws mm -hmm. were, and we utilized each one of them in transition. So in our company, we found our sniffs and said, hey, we, we, we need your help finding ways that we can improve, finding ways that the, the culture around us is adapting. One example they gave in another situation, another lady was talking about, she worked for an encyclopedia company and they were told, hey, you should digitalize this, put this on CDs. Nope, we're going to hardbound. That's all we're doing. And their business pretty much failed because the, the world changed around them. And so the sniffs in your life or times when you're a sniff or in your company or team, and, and you might not always be a sniff, right? You might be a scurry. The sniffs are the ones that are out finding, hey, I found this new platform. I found this new strategy. I found this new, and they're willing to look for, hey, this isn't working in our company. The scurries are the ones that say, great, you've got this new platform. I'm going to go learn how to use it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to make it work. They're the ones, the action takers. Uh, the haws in your company are the ones that are going to say, I don't know. Like this is really hard to overanalyze. Yeah. And you got to kind of coach them along and, and convince them that it's the right thing. And then they said, well, what do you do with the hymns? And it was, <laughs> well, some of the hymns after enough coaching turned into Haas and learned. And the other ones we had to let go Yeah, because our company needed to, because we, we, we did not read this in time. We didn't adapt in time and eventually we became okay, but we had to, we had to do what was best for our company. And if they weren't willing to see our new vision, if they weren't willing to see our new, and sometimes as a team leader, sometimes in your own life, even as your family, at least once a year, sometimes every six months or so, my family, my wife and I get together and we kind of drop what's our cheese, right? What, what is our plan this year? What is our plan for the next five years? What are we hoping to get? And that vision kind of guides the decisions we make. And sometimes it changes. Sometimes it's, hey, we really wanted to do this thing, but now maybe just moving into a fifth wheel is actually a better plan for our life. And instead of this other plan we had, and so your goals will change, the cheese will change and you need to sometimes force yourself to be a sniff or find those scurries in your life that you can surround yourself with. And worst case, be that haw that learns, even if it's painfully that you can overcome, but don't be a him. Don't because <laughs> you're going to, you're going to become extinct. Energy. Just remember, Ha is constantly going out to the maze still, does not settle, continues to say, hey, I'm going to adapt whatever change comes our way. And with that being said, hopefully this book applies to you and allows you to make the changes that you need to make happen.
Make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Please. Peace.